welcome guys to the MMOs.com podcast, episode 107. Altai joined this week by... Omer. And we have a fun podcast as usual this week, and obviously a lot's been happening this last week, namely E3. Even though there haven't been too many MO stuff at E3, there's been a couple things we want to talk about MO related, but we got to talk about E3, and we got to start off with that weekly raid. So I'm going to take it away. And very timely, the weekly raid is about E3. So the title I went with is, what are you most excited for from E3? I left it open. It doesn't have to be MMO related technically, though some of mine are. Um, so... Omar, I know you've been watching these live on Twitch. I caught I caught the Sony one with you guys, and I just had to read about on the rest. So I'll start with you then. What are you most excited for, and what you think of E3 this year? I think like stuff like Twitch kind of makes watching <coughs> E3 a lot of fun. The Twitch chat makes it quite entertaining, and also like E3 viewing parties with your friends on stuff like Discord is a lot of fun too. I actually ended up watching, I believe, all of them. I watched Bethesda, Microsoft, Sony. I didn't see Nintendo one, but I'm pretty sure I saw like everything else, and it was pretty fun to watch, namely because it really is a show, right? Like, even if you're not too interested in the games, because I don't play too many console games, I still enjoyed watching all the presentations. I mean, uh, I think Anthem is pretty interesting because it's really one of the only MMO-esque titles they released. Well, they didn't really, they're showing off. Kind of like a Answer to Destiny from Bioware. But oh. one thing I thought was really funny, it's worth mentioning. There was a scene at the Microsoft one, right, at the beginning, after they talked about the, the Xbox One X being the most powerful console ever. There was a scene like when they showed off like we're gonna do a world reveal for like Forza, this racing game. But at the same time, we're gonna do a world reveal for a brand new Porsche. I'm like, what cares? Like a por- they showed off a Porsche, like a new 2018 911 GT Turbo X. 911. Amazing, it's super drift, that's mega just, booster. That's just Porsche. rude, honestly. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna go order my Xbox One X. Gonna pre-order the Forza. Oh, then I'll pre-order one of those $200,000 Porsches too, right? Like, it's so like. I get it, it's a racing game, but like I don't see how that audience is gonna like be interested like in buying really? a car. I do. I mean I, I feel like the average Xbox bro, right, is also the guy who's got like the poster of the Ferrari in his bedroom. Like you know how some guys have like pictures of girls, like bikini models, some mm-hmm. and some people have like car- cars, right? And they, and they jack yeah. off to the cars they want. So Yeah, they jack off, obviously. So there's I think there's some there's some cross play there. I'm not I wouldn't be surprised. But it's a video game event. I mean I, I it's you're showing off like a mega luxury. I, I get, I get that was a big event, right? Obviously, to the to the car industry, people that follow cars are mega interested in seeing that new Porsche, right? But I, I don't know if that overlaps super well with Xbox, which I, I thought was kind of fun. Luckily, they didn't like drag it on too long. Yeah. They're telling about the cylinders and stuff. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know cars, right? But like, actually, what was really cool about Forza Seven, which I, I don't really like racing games outside of Mario Kart and like Diddy Kong Racing, like these cartoony racing games, but it was running at 4K FPS at six 4K. Resolution at 60 FPS, which is pretty badass, which is pretty cool. Wow. But yeah, the video uh, you're seeing in the background though is Anthem, and uh, this is like the only MOS game. So for mm-hmm. me, I didn't catch that one. This one live, I, I saw. I did hear the name Anthem, and I did see the 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 slogan like by people on Reddit that this was like their answer to Destiny. And mm-hmm. so this is my first time seeing this trailer. This is this is already one for me. This beat Destiny already. You know, Destiny's cool I, sci-fi, but this has that like punk feel, like where it's like, gr- like it's like dirty like, sci-fi. You know, like it's, everything is dirty. It's kind of grungy. So I, I well, really the like the aesthetic. When he goes outside town, I think it looks gorgeous. You see some of the actual gameplay. Like right now, they're just kind of showing off like walking in town. But you see the gameplay. It looks really cool, actually. And it's like this this co-op game, kind of like Destiny as well. Obviously, they're not going to be using the term MMO. Uh, same, I guess, probably the same reason why Destiny doesn't use that term. There's clearly some MO-esque elements into it. I don't want to dive too much to what an MO is exactly because there was this giant discussion again 
on our MMORPG about if Warframe is an MMORPG and what is an MMO exactly. And this circle jerk, like, people always are at each other's throats over what an MMO is and isn't. But it is a, this is the only, one of the only MMO-esque games that were shown off that's actually new at E3. So it's definitely something to get excited about. And look at this seamless, like this large world. Just you know, The graphics look gorgeous. And we see the combat looks pretty badass too. Yeah, this guy's just kind of landing on this planet right now. Um, mm -hmm. Pretty, pretty quick, you know, pretty stark difference between the town he was just in and like this, um, this jungle. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure. Okay, he finally landed, so I'll get to see some gameplay while this is going. But yeah, there were like Omar, you said, there was not that many MMORPGs specifically, at least new announcements. But there were a few, um, let's call it relaunches. Uh, Black mm -hmm. Desert um, is going to be an Xbox exclusive, I suppose, and they showed some trailer for that. And that one really interested me. Actually, on the weekly raid, one of my two main, you know, interesting interesting things for me three was the BDO Xbox launch. Not because I have an Xbox or I'm going to play on an Xbox, but I want to see if they can actually get it to run smoothly on an Xbox. Because Black Desert, you know, it does chug when you're in a busy area like in town and everything is loading. So I want to mm -hmm. see if they, if they can um, optimize it for a console. If they can. And remember, BDO guys, I think is I think the best looking MMORPG right now. So if, if that can look, you know, if that can run on Xbox, you know, they then I think we've really come a long way. Consoles have come lo a longer way than like PCs have in that case. And Black Desert is still getting a crazy number of players on Steam. Uh, there's about sixteen thousand three hundred concurrent users on Steam right now. Twenty four hour peak of seventeen thousand seven hundred. It's really maintaining that boost that, that big momentum from first launch i mean it peaked at twenty-one thousand, but it's still getting seventeen thousand a day peak which is amazing you know black desert has been a tremendous runaway success and it, honestly because black desert did so well i think we're going to be seeing a lot more buy to play mrpgs from asia launching in america in the next few years because you know people are resident they're, they're okay with spending money on their game uh, and and there's this perception that if you, you know if you have a buy to play game it's less pay to win even though obviously there's there are some elements of PDO you can pay for advantages, but I think we're going to see more and more RPGs. I mean, there's actually one game where he said they're going to be paid by to play in America and free to play in Asia. We'll talk a bit more about that later. But it's uh, on the console development side, it's always easier, I think, to make these games run well on console. Obviously, I mean, are they going to be cross-platform compatible? I'm not sure if they are. They haven't announced yeah. that, but I honestly, one, I don't. First of all, there's no reason that it couldn't be because the combat is very console-esque in BDO. Yeah. Um, but the problem they're is... They're both on Microsoft platforms. They're both, yeah, they're both on, you know, it's either Windows or Xbox. But here's the thing. Everybody is complaining about the servers in BDO. They got on Reddit yeah. and stuff. Personally, I haven't done any PvP yet, right? I'm, I'm level 50. I'm doing, like, the the uh, CP and energy stuff right now, like the questing. And I, I have, you know, I do, I do get rubber bands sometimes, but I'm not sure if that's because of my ping from here in Turkey to play on the North American server, or if it's actual servers. Um, for PVE, so far the lag has not affected me at all. Even though I do rubber bands sometimes, it's not a big deal. But I definitely can see how in PVP, you know, that that would kind of ruin the the fight, especially like if you lose, you know. <laughs> oh, definitely. And uh, fun fact, okay. guys, I got PK'd. Uh, I, was, I was very excited actually. I was killing some catfish or something. Um, Good, great grind spot, great. The density of monsters in the catfish spot are beautiful. That's like one of the best grind spots. Yeah, and I, I, actually, I actually got there when a the quest took me there, so I, I am doing all the quests that I can. But anyway, the, I was killing them, right? And apparently some other guy was, was roping them, like roping the mobs, like chaining the mobs. Mm. And so he got this huge 
group of mobs ready for me, and I just kind of jumped in and took it from him. And I guess he didn't like that, so he just, he just killed me. He and he kept me. He killed me like four times. I had to switch uh, channels, so it was it was kind of fun. I haven't had that experience in a long time, where you know, you know, the threat was another player. So it really engaged me to the world. I had to look out for this guy. I had to change server, you know. So that was fun. You know, I kind of wish I got PK as well, because that didn't really happen to me yet. Because it it does make you realize you're playing an MMO. And actually, one of the most popular topics on RMORPG this week was like Black Desert Online is a single player game with like a persistent chat and for the most part you know when you play bdo unless you're doing node wars like in the late game uh, you're like very high level you've already grinded all the gear you need to pvp unless you're doing node wars you're honestly playing for the most part a single player game because it doesn't make sense to party with other people for your grinding you're grinding solo anyway so the fact that you actually have to deal with a pk makes it you know realize it's an mo which is definitely a good feeling though even though obviously it's a setback you know you have to go back to your grind spot so it's definitely you know, yeah. inconvenience you to a degree. But again, it makes you appreciate the fact it's actually in an MMORPG. Yeah, I was excited. I mean, I, you know, it was inconvenient for me, but it's it's still something I, I liked. I, I hope more games remember to do that, where you know, the, you should have some fear of other people. It should be an exciting mm -hmm. moment when you meet somebody in, in the open world in a game. Is he, is, he, is he a friend? Is he a foe? What does he have to offer me? Is he going to you know, do something to me? So I, I do miss that feeling, and I'm glad BDO has that. In fact, the the amount of overall interaction between players is so low. I mean, I've been playing a lot of uh, like uh, quite a bit of Final Fantasy XIV in order to catch up the Stormblood content. I mean, I finally started really sitting down and playing, and I've I've played like over ten hours of story content. So I, I was way behind. I'm like I'm I'm in heaven's I'm in heaven's sword now, doing some content over there. But like every time you do a dungeon, like you'll say hi at the beginning, and then literally you won't say a word till the end. You'll say like thanks guys, and then you'll leave. Like, I really want people to communicate more in games. Not just communicate, interact more. Like, I miss that in a lot of MRPGs, and hopefully we'll see, hopefully we'll see more, more of that. You do get that in open-world open PvP games or with open PK. So that's definitely a positive. So, well, I want to stay on the E3 topic real quick. Uh, and my second most interesting thing besides the BDO launch was, and this is a point Omar and I disagree with, is the Age of Empires Definitive Edition. Uh, this is a remastered version. I, for some reason, I'm a sucker for remastered old-school RTSs. I bought Age of Empires 2 HD. I'm really excited for StarCraft remastered. And now, I have a third one, guys. Age of Empires Definitive Edition. So I'm going to play this trailer. I'm going to turn the sound up a little. Um, this is like my childhood pouring back into me. You know, maybe some this of you guys pure are... pure nostalgia, and that's it. There's there's no substance here. I Look, I played a lot of Age of Empires 1 with you growing up, and honestly, I like Age of Empires 2 more already. I mean, I played a lot more Age of Empires 2 than Age of Empires 1. I thought it was a great game, but when, when they were announcing that, right, in the presentation, they were like, we're going to bring you, like, we're going to bring, like, one of the most storied franchises in, like, RTS history, right? When they said that, I'm like, holy shit, and the, the video is playing. Do we have Age of Empires 4? There's no way. I'm so like I was actually really hype over that. Because a lot of the console stuff I wasn't too hype about, but like I was like, holy crap, are they gonna make Age of Empires 4? Holy shit! And like as soon as I saw what they're showing off, like this is, this is just a remake or a remastered version. It but I, mean, I, I, I hate remastered versions. It doesn't get me excited like, ever. But this they're remastering Final Fantasy 12, who cares? I, I, uh, but doesn't this no no, but here's the thing, here's the thing. Okay, I get it. Um for most of the time they don't do much, right? Especially the Age of Empires 2 HD. It didn't really change much. Like it made the the, the network stuff better, right? But the graphics look the same. But with this one, I it, it genuinely looks different. Like it, it looks like a more modern game. Like I mean the graphics are night and day difference, I I'd say. Yeah. 
So I realized we're not going to get an Age of Empires 4 because Ensemble Studios, the guys that made uh, the Age of Empires franchise, they went bankrupt like back in 2009. So I don't think we're going to be seeing a four. I don't think we're going to be seeing an Age of Empires 4 unless they make a whole new studio for it, which they might eventually. But I, RTS genre is pretty, pretty out of favor lately. Uh, story time, guys. Story time. So the first time, not the first time, but one of the, the main time I played Age of Empires wasn't even at home. Uh, Age of Empires one. It was in middle school during lunch. I remember um, my me and my friends would go to the library, and we, we would install um, Age of Empires One on the computers in the library. There was only like eight computers total, and we'd take all of them, and we would host a LAN game. And we'd never actually finish a game, right? Because an eight-player giant map, you know, th you know, thirty, forty-minute lunch class, you could never actually finish a round. But so we'd all launch a game. We'd all, you know, one guy's Egyptian, Greek, whatever, and and the teacher would walk by and like, what are you guys doing? You're just supposed to be, you know, library. You can't play games here. But when the teacher saw what we're playing, and you know he saw the little Greek spires or whatever in the little houses, and we're like, no, no, this is history. This is history. It's okay. They would look for like a minute and say, mm, this looks pretty cool. Okay, you can keep playing this. <laughs> so the you got away with playing Adrian Parr's in high school, in, in middle school. In middle school. That's pretty cool. Pretty badass. I mean, I guess if you see the structures, maybe like a cutscene, like before the missions, if you're playing single player, yeah, you could totally sell that as like a educational experience. Yeah, I, I, mean, I guess the teacher was just like, I think it was a history teacher slash librarian, so I think he was just into like history. So he's like, all right, kids, can, you guys can play this. <laughs> Look, I don't want to say Age of Empires is too long, but I was really upset with Age of Empires 2 HD. I bought the game on launch, you know, paid money for it, and it was like the, the internet, the net play was like unplayable garbage. It was the laggiest piece of shit ever, to the point where the original Age of Empires was less laggy than the new one. So to this day, I think Age of Empires 2 HD has lag issues when you're playing with. At least like a like bunch of people online so and it's just reselling the same game and i don't know man this is i i, I was so sad to hear this remastering or re-hding it i mean uh, i i'm probably not going to play it honestly i'd rather just play jump Empires 2 hd if anything but even then again i was disappointed with it just selling the same game over and over again that's that is that is the modern way all right but i, mean, I understand the nostalgia pull too i mean in fact, there was a rumor that Lunia is going to come back through like All M, the de Korean developer. And there's a website for it, but I don't know if it's a private server or not. But website's down right now, so I can't check. But like, the only reason that would ever come back is for nostalgia purposes. It wasn't really like a groundbreaking game. Look, I played Lunia at its peak. I enjoyed it. That little theme song was mega catchy. Fly away, whatever. Right? It, it was really catchy. It was fun, but like, it, it wasn't like this revolutionary great game. If it comes back, it's purely for nostalgia reasons. But I don't know. I, we we got to get more new stuff, all right? I don't want to see more remastered stuff. It's like, it really almost frustrates me when something remastered comes out. Because I'm like, okay, they could have been working on a new game, but they worked on this remastered nonsense instead. That was my feeling with Persona 4. Loved Persona 4, and then they made Persona 4 Golden, and they, they made the Persona 4 fighting game. They made all these, like, knockoffs, like, Portable, Golden, like, all these different, like, variants of the same thing. And they keep selling the same product over and over again. So I know we're getting, I'm getting a little distracted, but I, I don't want these these offshoot games. I want a new game. All right, so I'm salty. I don't I, I don't like Adrian Barr's HD. Ain't gonna do it for me. All right. Well, uh, I, I guess we're on we're on separate separate sides of both this one and StarCraft Remastered. I still maintain StarCraft Remastered is gonna is gonna sell like hotcakes. So we will see. I am um, not optimistic. Later this summer, I suppose. Should mention too that Anthem is actually for PC as well and Xbox and uh, PS4. So it. It should be for every console, so which is super nice. I mean, if it wasn't for PC, I wouldn't even be talking about it, honestly. Yeah, yeah, honestly, me too. But also, BDO is actually, again, is for Xbox One only at the moment, at least at launch, sometime in early 20, 2018. Do you think it'll come to PS4, or is it going to be an Xbox One exclusive? 
For which one? Uh, BDO. Xbox exclusive for now. I mean, but why? 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 Why would they do that? Why not? You know, you, there's a giant market that is PS4s, right? And spec- if anything, I feel like MMORPGs, if anything, are catering more towards PS4 players. The speculation at this point is that Microsoft is going to help them with um, with the tra- with like the you know recoding it or whatever to make it work well. Yeah, I, maybe they, there has to be a reason. Yeah. They must have been paid or you know subsidized somehow for the development cost. So that, that's the theory. Um, besides that, there's nothing concrete yet. People are saying it'll come to PS4 eventually. It's possible. Maybe they yeah. sign like a one-year exclusivity. Because I, I can't imagine them being committing to permanent Xbox uh, exclusiveness for that whole period. It makes no sense. You're limiting your own player base. There's a new and, term I mean, th- that was used a lot, this E3. It's called launch exclusive. So what that <laughs> means is it's not exclusive. It's just exclusive for the first year. So that was a, that was a lot of that going on. Oh, True DPS brings up a good point. Perhaps it has something to do with the cross-platform because Microsoft is not against cross-platform PC and and Xbox. It's PlayStation that's usually against um, cross-platform between you know PlayStation and Microsoft. So interesting. The, maybe this is a sign that the servers will not be separate between uh, BDO console players and BDO PC players. Actually, I'm looking at this uh, Polygon article from today, actually. The Rocket League dev says PS4 cla- cross-platform play is already done. Sony just needs to say yes. It's a political barrier right now. Yep. So, that's yep. Interesting. That's been that's been but, the case for a long time. But why sabotage it that way? Like, you, you, you're getting no goodwill from your players. And if the other guy is ready to say yes, you just appear like a douchebag. Like, Sony is getting a lot of negative PR for this. Sony doesn't want their platform to be a commodity. If everything is cross-platform, right? Then the mm-hmm. console brand, see, the, the PlayStation brand is worth more currently than the Xbox brand. But if they all just become boxes under your TV and they all work with each other, um, there goes the margin, there goes the brand. You know, it doesn't matter. You could buy the Glub Glub you know, 35 and just, well, you, you can play I, with it. I get that with like uh, games that are cross, but the, but the game is available on both consoles. It, I don't see the hurt of making cross platform. You can still have exclusive PS4 games, you know, Sony games, and that's fine, you know. The exclusivity is, I think, what really sells consoles too. The the cross platform play, I don't think is people are thinking about that too much. I think many times people buy buy a console, it's because of an exclusive title. That well, that's driven all my decisions for buying consoles, like pretty much since forever ago. Well, it's in the, it's that this falls into the exclusive camp. They want a game. Um, if it's on PlayStation, the multiplayer can only play with other PlayStation people. They don't want you. As soon as you allow cross platform play, the brand loses value. The box loses value. Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> Actually, somebody mentioned in the chat that, uh, a little slightly off topic, sorry about that, that uh, League is doing the Overwatch-style like MVP voting system at the end of each game, so people can vote on who they're, who the most valuable player is. I think we've talked about this before, but honestly, I think they should have a least valuable player. Let you vote on the biggest feeder on your team. Just, just like, congratulations, you were voted the, the worst player by your team. <laughs> I feel like it would let people like uh, vent their frustration. They're like, I'm going to vote. Like, if you're going to vote for the guy who's the least valuable player, it might make you less toxic in game. If you can just kind of give that vote to him at the end of the game. I feel like that'd uh, be kind of nice. I, 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 I was never a fan of the whole voting at the end of the game, whether in Overwatch or, or now in League. It's just pointless. Like, I never vote for an enemy. I always vote for myself. In Overwatch, I always vote for myself. It's never a question. Yeah, same. So, it, I, I don't know. I guess it's just there to be cute and some interaction, but. <laughs> It kind of mm-hmm. doesn't serve a purpose for me. 
right. You know, what I'm also, you know, what I was most disappointed about at E3. Hmm. We didn't see any Final Fantasy VII remake footage. Why? Oh, you're like, right. That's such a, like a mainstream thing, and like the the whole Square Enix presentation was pretty disappointing in my opinion. Like, why not show? Like, even if you just show the same old shit, right? I'd rather see some of that. All right, I, I'm still kind of hype about that. Talk about nostalgia being a hell of a thing, you know? I don't think that project is going well. That's yeah. why. Uh, I think I told you last week. They actually contracted out the remake to a third party, Square Enix. And just recently, a few months ago, they, they pulled that. And they said, nope, we're bringing it back in-house for quality control reasons. What that tells me is they were not happy with the progress or the work that the third party had been doing. So I think that project is basically back at square one. So I don't think there's anything to show. That's a problem. But do you think inherently contracting out to a third party studio is a bad idea? We've seen Call of Duty do it many times. Like... The current Call of Duty game is being made by Sledgehammer Games, right? Like, it's aren't they owned by? Not Activision? directly. Yeah, I mean, are they owned back to? I don't, every every Call of Duty, there's always a new studio no, no, making no, it. No, no, no. The way it works with Call of Duty is every year, two internal studios switch off. So, for example, one. Oh, okay. So that way, the next one is always being worked on by the other studio. That's that's how they can afford to release it every year, because they trade the two studios trade off. On no, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they're owned by Activision anyway. Yeah. So that's and yes, I do think there's a problem with contracting off especially your your flagship product if square enix spun off some bullshit mobile game and you know billy bob joe development house did it that's fine but final fantasy 7 remake is literally like the, the embodiment of square enix right like it is everything yeah. square enix stands for and that's fair the fact that they even at the beginning thought of contracting that out shows me they've completely lost touch with reality as, as a company you think that made them lose track of reality? I think this made them lose track of, of reality. All this right. was probably the most cringe thing I've seen at Square Enix and probably all of E3. This was Final Fantasy XV PSVR fishing. Wow. Are they are they for real? I mean, this is ins this is like w why with VR? I don't understand that part. This the cringe is killing me. It's killing me. Look at this intense music playing as he's like pulling in that bass bass, bass 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 hunter, bass hunter as he's pushing as he's pulling in that bass hunter. Yeah, I, I, like I don't get it. <laughs> what who, is this? Who asked for this? Why is it a thing? Oh my god. Oh man, this is like the cringe factor is pretty real on this one. Monsters of the deep. I think they're just trying to like release a shit ton of titles with Final Fantasy XV in the name to maybe like make some more money off the franchise. Like they got the characters, they got the world, they're making all these offshoots as like a mobile game coming too. So that's really the only reason they're doing it. I think. I think but. what happened is um, Sony demanded from Square Enix a VR game. So Sony said, "All right, big studios, I want at least one VR title from each of you, okay, for mm -hmm. the next year or whatever." And the Square Enix is like, well, we don't have time for this shit. You know, we, we can't even make Final Fantasy VII Remake, you know? So, you know what? We'll just, we're going to spin this, you know, fishing thing off for you guys. I mean, that's a reasonable reasonable uh, observation. Actually, there's one more cringe thing that happened in E3. I kind of want to see if I can find it for you. That when, they, when they announced Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, it's a 3v3 fighting game, right? But, like, what they showed off when they revealed it was, like, this really weird, like, story trailer. Like, it was, un it was so weird. This is what they showed off, right? Like on the big stage, everyone's watching. And when you think Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, you're not like, you're not thinking about like a well done story. You're not thinking about Chun Li talking to like this 
other evil superhero guy trying to talk him down from doing evil deeds. You think about a fighting game, right? Like, why'd they show this? Uh, okay, I haven't seen this, so I'm watching it with, uh, for the first time here. It's. I thought it was pretty cringe because, like, you don't play these games for the story. You play these games for the for the, for the actual in-game. It's a fighting game. Show off the fighting game aspect. Don't show off the story. Dude, don't you care about the um, the, the, the what's it called Tekken Seven story? No, I, Come on. No, not not even a little bit. But like, if they just showed off the actual gameplay, like, it would have been way more hype. Like, why are they show? Like, just show this. Show show what people actually want to see. Show Mega Man? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, show Mega Man being the shadow of freaking anybody, right? It's more fun. <laughs> I thought this was a little bit cringe myself, but I mean, they have. You can find the gameplay videos for it. It's just, I don't know why they didn't show off right away. Because you're not playing these games for the story. I know people out there can be like, oh, but the Injustice story was good. Yeah, whatever. But like, you don't play fighting games for story. No, I agree right? with you. I agree with you. It's one of the few genres where I just click X as soon as the game is loading. Like, I don't, I don't want to watch a little cutscene. It's like Soul Calibur, two souls collide in the eternal arena, or blah 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 blah. It's like, who cares? Alright? Plot doesn't want customers for, uh, <laughs> for fighting Plot. games, I'm sorry. Alright, anything else from E3? What else we got going on? I mean, again, and most stuff was really light, unfortunately. You know, actually, one small rant about, not necessarily E3, but like, the whole gaming conference sh shiniz business, whatever, right? Like, Shindig? Yeah, when this whole shinding, when there's like one presentation, when E3 is like the presentation, yeah, it's kind of cool, right? But we've gotten to a point where there are so many like conferences. You got the Tokyo Game Show, you got the PAX conference, and East, West, Southeast, Northwest, every PAX, you know? You got E3. You get there's so many gaming conferences now that like, you can't really look forward to one thing. Like, you got the one in, in Korea for MMOs, really. If you want MMORPGs, really, the, the, the show for you is G-Star in Korea, right? That's going to show off all, all the big Korean companies are working on and some of the Chinese companies too. And China's got their own, you know, China joy for a lot of the, you know, whatever Tencent's working on. And I think we'll, we'll be getting a lot more of the big uh, Chinese games that launch in China in America because China is a gaming powerhouse now. Tencent owns so many studios in the West. They're going to be pushing more of their games here. But so almost like there's no one big conference you can really be hyped for now. It's almost like very diffused. And yeah, you get more conferences, but you kind of lose the hype. Like there was a lot more hype around like E3 when it was the... The video game conference, and that was it. But now everything's kind of spread out. It's like, yeah, it's 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 actually better for industry people though. Like if you if you're like if you're Bob the marketing guy at like one of these companies, now you get to you get to have free vacation twenty four seven all year round, baby. You know, one week you're going to Korea, one week you're going to you know San Francisco, one week you're going to China, Japan. You know, baby, you got you got you got the whole year you know planned out. So, um, I think these conferences are are made for the. For the <laughs> marketing guy. Classic Bob. <laughs> Classic Bob Ross ASMR, clearly. There was at least one other trailer, guys, that I, I liked at E3 or I thought was mm. interesting. Uh, Durango. This is Nexon's, I think, um, kind of survival, mobile. mobile survival game. And uh, the beginning here is just uh, cinematic, but there is some gameplay later on. So basically, it's like Ark Survival Evolved for your phone. Like, you, you're on this island with dinosaurs and you gotta you gotta survive. I'm really curious to see where this goes because I do think eventually we will get more in-depth phone games, like real games on our phones. We get, I think we're getting there. They're definitely yeah. getting better and better. So but Durango yeah. actually did surprisingly well in its beta test in the West. There was a limited beta and you can actually play it in English. Unfortunately, I never got to play it, so I really can't talk too much about it, but I'm curious to see what it's going to be about. 
yeah, here's some gameplay right here. Um, they're killing some Triceratops on the beach. They're, they're taming some 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 T-Rex or something. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. yeah, if, if this plays well on a phone, you know, it kind of shows um, that the phones are getting places. I did show in the pregame the, the new iPad uh, processor, CPU, is actually faster than the i7 from five years ago. So the, the two series, i7. So we are getting to a point where, you know, these mobile chips... On graphic capabilities are, are are not surpassing or matching, but at least at least matching you know slightly older PC technology. So we will get to the point where like a game like League of Legends could definitely play on any phone today, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's up to the developers to give us something interesting with that with that power. And actually, we, we probably should mention too, Monster, the Monster Hunter uh, Unlimited. Oh yes. I mean that's uh, the cool thing about that too is it's actually be available for PC as well. Usually Monster Hunter games are console only, so it's it's nice to see this uh, coming out. Uh, what's it called? It's Monster Hunter World. I don't know why I called it Unlimited Derp. It's Monster Hunter World, and I actually never played a proper Monster Hunter game. I've played. I mean, one of my friends in high school was obsessed with Monster Hunter, and I played his house for a couple hours, but like I never owned it myself, so I never actually sat down and played it. But now that's coming out for PC, I'm gonna give it a try, and it looks pretty pretty interesting. I'm actually also looking at this chart right now. This is also a, always a fun chart to kind of show off uh, in the podcast. Maybe we can always we should probably always look at this because this shows the most played games in South Korea, and of course, Korea is one of the meccas for MMORPGs outside of China. And look who's on top again over there: League of Legends. Wow, Overwatch is number three. It got FIFA Online three past it. But what's surprising? Maple Story is still killing it, guys. Maple Story is sitting at number six, and honestly, like. I actually, because of E3 and all these you know, new game announcements and stuff like that, I was kind of like, okay, you know, I, I kind of want to play a new game. I want to play MapleStory too. Is there any news on that? I was scouring uh, MapleStory, like Nexon's official website and the internet for any news on MapleStory too, and we got nada. The most recent news is that the Chinese open beta, closed beta rather, is still happening. And that's all we've heard about MapleStory 2 in forever. MapleStory 2 is, is number 49 on this list. So it's still... It's not doing so hot. And uh, we still haven't really heard any, up- any update on Hyper Universe, besides it's, they're still working on the American version. Well, it was playable at PAX, so there, oh. it's, there's already something there, you know? They're probably pretty close to releasing it. I think weren't they aiming for a summer release, too? Yeah, yeah. And now, uh, back, yeah. back to this what? chart real quick, Omar. Uh, StarCraft is number seven, and that's, remember, that's Brood War. So you're telling me when Remastered comes out, this is going to pass... Uh, Maple Story is gonna pass Dungeon Fighter. It's probably gonna pass Sun Attack. Why do you think that though? Anyone? The only people that it's made for people playing StarCraft already. Like new people who've never played StarCraft aren't gonna play StarCraft. Yes. For uh, but a lot of people this HD version. A lot of people who stopped playing haven't come back yet. They're waiting for the remastered. Because I don't know if there's a big, big, it, you know, people just there's a giant group of people just waiting already, to play. It's already bigger than Blade and Soul and Diablo Three in Korea. It's a big game. It's definitely a big game. I think Blade makes more money though, because uh, StarCraft well, isn't really selling. There's no way to monetize copies. in StarCraft. Brood Wars, yeah, I know. So that, that's not fair. All right, back to this. Here's the store. We're still doing pretty well over there too. I is. All right. What surprised me? Tales Runner is actually still on that list. Tales Runner is an interesting game. It's actually, I think, it was one of the fir- like one of those early uh, uh, racing games in America that tried to actually sell banner space in like. Uh, in the game and that's kind of an idea that a lot of people talk about like how could they make advertising 
a thing in MMOs, right? Imagine Blizzard sells like a billboard in Orgrimmar or anywhere else, right? Like oh, a giant billboard. That would so like, ruin the ambiance. Why? There's a, the, the drink Coca-Cola. And it's like, it's like a, an Orgrimmar. Real orcs drink Coca-Cola. And it shows like a, you show fucking uh, and and Mel Scream, Grand Mel Scream drinking Coca-Cola. And for one week, right? your HP potions are actually replaced by Coca-Cola cans. But well, why, why don't they do that, though? You would think like it's, it's, it's a free, it's like a freebie, isn't it? No, dude, that that would kind of ruin the ambiance. I'm telling you, it would ruin the immersion. But like, you have like some silly. I don't. I I, I don't know. Really, it would be kind of fun. It works in um. It works in sports games. Like Rocket League has the banners on on the arena, and that works because it's like it's not really like a story driven, lore driven game. But it would not work in 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 World of Warcraft. They added a Mountain Dew bot pet into the game already. Apparently, so that's that's in, interesting. In WoW, that's crazy. I, I didn't know that. I, I, I haven't touched WoW since Mr. Pandaria. But, I mean, a lot of people are trying to monetize, like, advertising games. Racing games are trying to, like, do you think, the, does, does Rocket League actually make money from those ads? No, probably game? not. They, I, I can't imagine, like, because I know, I know Tales Runner actually tried that, because back in the Hut days, if you played Tales Runner back in, uh, like, when it first launched in America, like, in freaking out 2008 or something, there were actually banners for MO Hut in, uh, in Tales Runner. And they gave us like two weeks free trial to like advertising game. Like, oh, whatever, I'll take free two weeks. Why not, right? So like, as you were driving, you saw like our, our website logo in Tails Runner. But there's no way anybody saw that banner is like, okay, I'm gonna go type this into Google now. Like, it seems like a very inefficient form of advertising. Yeah, definitely. I I think was the the real world advertising with like imp or like you know you gotta guess the eyeballs is just mm -hmm. is just really fishy. Uh, somebody asked I, I, when yeah. Monster mm. Hunter World is coming out in the trailer I'm showing. Uh, early 2018 for consoles. And then a PC release is uh, is just said to be later on. So early mm. 2018, guys, for consoles. But that's also one of the more hype games that was revealed, mm -hmm. Monster Hunter World. Another thing I was kind of grabbing about, you know, with conferences like this in general, everybody knew it was being shown off, right? Like 90% of it was shown. Like everybody already knows it kind of on the schedule, right? Like, every, like you kind of lose the hype when it's on the schedule. It's on the docket, you know? But then again, you see stuff like Monster Hunter the World, which I believe wasn't on the docket. So you do see some, like there are hype moments where like, boom, you know, something you didn't expect shows up, which yep. is pretty cool. This will be but the it's first. It's rarely like that. This will be the first Monster Hunter for PC. And some people. Well, Monster Hunter Online is for PC. Come on. Actually, you want to talk about your experience with that? That's actually pretty interesting. Okay, so. I actually wanted to play Monster Hunter Online because I'm like, yeah, I have, I have, I have a QQ account. I want to see what Monster Hunter Online is about because I'm kind of, you know, I saw the trailer for Monster Hunter World and whatnot. So I, when I go to play it, it's not a Tencent QQ launcher. It's basically like the Steam of China. And I figure, you know, it'll be fine. I've played many games on there. I played Moonlight Blade, I believe. I played uh, several games on China's launcher with no problem. So I downloaded and installed Monster Hunter Online. And after you install it, it comes bundled with so much Chinese spyware, it is insane. You wouldn't think the biggest game launcher in China would bundle your their games with garbage. So and it only happened to Monster Hunter Online. It didn't happen with Moonlight Blade. So it literally installed something called like this uh, 360 degree antivirus, some Chinese antivirus thing, right? So every time you right click to, you know, on Windows on a file, you see that little drop down menu. There's like eight Chinese. There's eight Chinese options there now with like this Chinese anti spyware thing there. It installed something called uh, they did this this video like it was a Chinese YouTube thing installed. And it would actually bring pop-ups on my PC for these Chinese videos, like all the time. And 
I'm like, what the hell is this garbage? I, I want to play Monster Hunter Online. I don't, I don't want this Chinese spyware on my PC. So I go to uninstall. I go to uninstall them. So I find them individually in my program files, and you click uninstall button, and it uninstalls, and then a second later it reinstalls itself. It's it's literally <laughs> Chinese spyware. Like it's reinstalling itself as you delete it. So it, it was an ordeal. It took me an hour, and I deleted that garbage finally. At that point, I'm like, fuck Monster Hunter Online. I'm not playing this garbage. It's fucking installing spyware on my PC. So. And people, Milk says, to, yeah, it took me forever to finally purge all that shit. Like, why does this, this shouldn't happen. Like, how is it that uh, such a big game on a giant, the biggest pl gaming platform in China is allowed to be bundled with, like, multiple tiers of garbage? I get, like, if they want to install one thing, but why, like, three or four things? It's unacceptable. This and is that also kind of makes me realize PC gaming is always hurt when you can't police, like, this garbage. Like, it's insane. Total side tension, but... There are some people like um, Tim Sweeney of Unreal who, who mm -hmm. kind of hate Windows 10 because they see Windows 10 as an attempt, a slow attempt, to basically lock people into the Microsoft Store. By the way, mm -hmm. I've, I've used the Microsoft Store once to purchase something some of, of adult content, but besides, I've never used it for games. Um, but well, you bought adult content? That's not important right now. Well, well you, you well, paid, that's, you that's paid that's for adult content. The more important thing here is about gaming. Okay? I was going to let that slide. You can bring that up later, though. <laughs> okay. Maybe the after show. Okay, maybe after show. Okay, so, as I was saying, um, that trailer I showed you guys earlier about um, Age of Empires um, Definitive Edition, it's going to be available on the Microsoft Store exclusively, currently. That's planned. And people are saying, well, I'm not going to buy it then. I'm only going to buy it for Steam. I'm actually a big proponent of Microsoft making it so if you're on a Windows computer, you can only download and install programs from the Microsoft Store. Now, people are gonna get mad at me, you know, oh, you don't want freedom, you know, open open platform, whatever. I'm okay with like them charging an extra $100 for like the pro, if you have a pro license, right, pro, then you can go do what you're doing now, you know, go on like Tencent.com and download Chinese, you know, government spyware if you want. But the, the average home user for the default computer he buys at, you know, Dell.com or whatever, he should only be able to get it from the Microsoft Store. And this is to prevent people from getting spyware and ruining their computers. If they know what they're doing, like you and me, they can pay the extra $100 for the Pro license. and then or, they or can pirate it, whatever. Or, or pirate the Pro license, yes. And then they can do whatever they want, like they're doing today. But I don't see a reason why uh, allowing people to download... Here's the thing. I have relatives who are like 50, 60, 70. They're afraid to go on the internet. Because if they go to the wrong site, if they click the wrong link... Well, there goes their new computer. That's it. If, if I'm not around to fix it, that that new computer is useless until I come around to fix it. So, and I don't think it's a good system for uh, for uh, just I don't know for anyone. I, I agree. I think I think like we can Microsoft can slow down. I guess maybe the decline of PC gaming. PC gaming is actually like of consoles, mobile, and PC. I think PC gaming was the only subsector of gaming that actually declined year over year between uh, like 2015 and 16. So the prognosis is decline, and I think that that can be slowed down if the ecosystem was better and more casual friendly. I think one of the biggest reasons we're seeing mobile games do so well is how casual friendly they are, and the fact that you just can't like break your phone by downloading a game the way you can yep. on PC. Like, obviously, you guys watching the stream, listening on YouTube, you're probably more sophisticated than the average you know PC user. But think about when you go to your grandparents' house, you go to like your you know relative's house, and you see like their their PC. They got Weatherbug installed. They got like seven different toolbars. They got the As toolbar, the Bing toolbar, Weatherbug, and they get they get pop-ups when they're like not doing anything. It makes your computer computer unusable. And you just I, I understand the benefit of what you're talking about with uh, the Windows Store. And so long as there's a way to like 
keep doing what we're doing for like the, through Steam and whatever, I'm okay with that. Because I do think Microsoft should protect the people that are not, you know, computer savvy. And it's it's not just um, you know grandparents. I remember in high school we had a friend who was a console player, and we told him, "Dude, you have to get Battlefield 1942. It's a great game. It's a shooter. You know, you like shooters on console. You'll love this game." So he buys it because he trusts us. And back then there was no auto patching. Okay, if you wanted to patch a, a PC game, you had to go on a site like File Planet. You had to you had to like find the you know, Battlefield 1942 version 8.62 B and download it, and then like. Drag the files into your program files, right? And only after you download the previous patch manually, because like, there was no all-inclusive patch. It was like from 1.0 to 1.01, then you got down to 1.01 to 1.02. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was yeah, so exactly. You had, to, you had to go in order. So anyway, so he buys the game, 50 bucks, you know, in high school, that's a lot of money. So he's, you know, okay, I put the CD and I install it, but he can't play with us. So we link him, oh, you got you to patch it. And he's he spends all day trying to figure this out, and he's like, dude, like he just gets so mad, like I can't. This is this is I don't know what to do. Like I gotta, oh, dude, you need WinRAR. What are you doing? Of course you can't unzip that by yourself. Ho, ho, ho. And he's like, dude, what is all this? Like, and he quit. And and honestly, I don't blame him because, you know, I spend all day on the computer, so I learned it, you know, through osmosis. But for an average person, even even our age, it's not. Imagine like Omar told his friend, try Monster Hunter Online with me, and the, and then the friend did that. Omar knows how to fix computers and uninstall stuff like spyware, but the other guy doesn't. So he would have just ruined his computer, and that's it. So it's it's crazy. <laughs> oh, it's oh. bad. Back to Monster Hunter bad. real quick. Uh, another game like Monster Hunter had a trailer at E3, Dauntless. So this is um, the race is on now to be the first Monster Hunter-like game on PC in North America. Uh, well, the cool thing about Dauntless still mm -hmm. is it's going to be free to play, whereas Monster Hunter, you know, is still going to cost money. Mm -hmm. So Dauntless is really the only free to play Monster Hunter s game out there. I mean, yeah, you got Monster Hunter Online, but I don't play that shit. You can get Chinese spyware up the ass, right? If you're willing to deal with Chinese spyware, yeah, you can play. It's fine, but like, be warned. But in America, this can be really the the only Monster Hunter s game. So there it is. I think it's, it's 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 aiming to launch sometime this year as well, yeah. so it's still kind of you know on the platter. Anyway, we talked about the BDO um, console launch as well. We're gonna be we, we still have a Terra console launch planned oh. for I believe 2017. Their official website says 2017, but we haven't had any kind of you know release date announced. But that's so if they follow what they say on their website, uh, Terra should also be launching on console you know before BDO, and I think I am confident that BDO on console is going to be huge. Like potentially much bigger than Steam, I think. Actually, I think a lot of like MMORPG players are jaded. Let's be real. You go to RMORPG, everyone is so jaded and cynical. But like, you still have an untapped, you know, group of gamers that are still not fully versed with free to play on console that are going to try BDO, and they'll probably like it a lot, you know, because free to play is still something special on console, especially when you have like really good free to play games like you know BDO. Whereas us PC users, we've played we've played the garbage free to play games too. We've played we've played the Revelation Online. You know, we've played the all the Duker games out there. So like, we get kind of jaded about what MMORPGs are. But console players are still pure, and I think they're going to. I mean, it's great that they're playing games like BDO. And, like a lot of the garbage games are coming to console, so it's good for their their experience. I think. So I think BDO is going to be huge on console. Now you can't be understated how successful Black Desert Online is too, and how amazing that success is because the game didn't do that well in Korea, right? It's a much bigger success uh, here in Europe and America than it is in even Russia or, or I'm, I'm not sure if anybody plays in China or definitely Korea. So it's it's booming. 
Yeah, and someone in a chat just hinted at this, but I'd, I'd argue that the console demographic kind of skews a little younger. So the fact and, and the fact that they have less free to play options. If you're like a you know uh, a kid on a, on an Xbox, and you know you, you games cost sixty bucks, your parents don't want to buy you a game every day, and you see this list of now decent, very decent games like Terra, BDO. It's you know well BDO is gonna be not free, but six bucks or ten bucks or whatever. If you see these options, even Neverwinter and stuff, um, I think these are easy sells for console players. And and uh, ESO even has said that they have uh, way more players on consoles than PC. The ESO split guys um, is about one third. PlayStation, one third Xbox, one third PC. So that means two thirds of their players are playing on consoles. I think we're going to see more and more and more PDs launching with console in mind because because the console games are doing so well. I mean, these games would not be rushed to release on console if stuff never like Neverwinter wasn't doing really well. Like Neverwinter is clearly minting money on console, which is why games like Skyforge are rushed to release on console as well. Yeah. The games that launch on console like in the early before that, they have such a big advantage. We are we are we have so much crap games on the PC, so many free to play and more RPG options that we're just overwhelmed. It's not quite there yet on console. So again, people are playing the crap out of them just because they're free to play, and it's good that the free the good games are coming on there. And it's worth mentioning too. There's a uh, another what was it, another big console game coming out soon. What was it? Um. I'm brain derping here for a uh, second. A relaunch or, or, or like a new game. Destiny 2 is a new game coming on console. Um, Path mm. of Exile is coming on consoles. That's a big one. There I you think. go. Path That's of Exile on Xbox I think is going to be huge. Admit that money. Oh, we should all go to Magic the Gathering. That, I, was, I was thinking about that. Oh. This is probably the biggest MMORPG news of the week. Uh, like for sure. Magic the Gathering, MMORPG was announced by Cryptic Studio this last week. And that's pretty cool because you know, my brother and I both grew up playing Magic the Gathering and we, 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 we love the franchise a lot. And it's being developed by Cryptic Studios and published by Perfect World Entertainment. Unfortunately, beyond knowing that it's an MMORPG, we literally know nothing about this game. All we know is something is happening. Yep, and when I both played this growing up, and actually in pre-game, we listened to a, a lady sensually open a box of Magic the Gathering booster packs. And I think uh, Wizards of the Coast is very happy with how Neverwinter turned out. Cryptic Studios did a great job, I believe, with Neverwinter. Some people aren't happy with some of the choices there, but I think it's a great free-to-play game. Uh, it kind of captures everything about D&D in a very simple, easy-to-bite you know, package. And I think Magic the Gathering... Some people were questioning whether you're going to have to buy gotchas for like packs and stuff, like card packs. I don't think so. I think it's gonna be set in the Magic Universe. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a Neverwinter reskin with better, you know, upda updated technical graphics and everything. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, which is fine. Actually, I know we did a weekly raid a week uh, over a year ago, where we said, "What IP do you think do we want to see a MMORPG for?" I think one of us said Harry Potter. I said Magic the Gathering. I think this this game is ripe for MMORPG. It's got all the you know lore, the characters, the monsters, the landmasses, the zones. So I am I am happy to see an MMORPG based on this. I will be playing this. I bet it's going to be free to play. So yeah, it's by Cryptic. It'll be free. If, if not free to play, it could be buy to play, maybe one time purchase. Because again, I do think that model is going to get more and more popular. Only because uh, of BDO doing so well with it. It'll but then it'll, Cryptic is really well anyway. It'll be a founders pack early access for like the first yeah year, yeah definitely definitely and then free to play. No, 
whoever invented the founders pack like maybe next week i'm going to do a little bit of digging like what was the first you know free-to-play game that had founders packs because that guy's whoever invented it is a genius the, the industry makes so much money off founders packs like it's such a mainstream thing but we kind of forget it's literally like two years old isn't it like that content didn't exist like two and a half years ago even it's not that you know it's not that old that's true yeah. so i'm curious who was the first mrpg to uh to do a free-to-play mode that did the, the whole founders pack nonsense so i said arc age i think possibly so bash brew i'm gonna i'm kind of curious i'm gonna look up by uh by next week i kind of wish we could show you more about magic the gathering but there's literally nothing beyond announcement but it also kind of shows us that um perfect world and cryptic are not giving up on mrpgs and it, it was really refreshing too because We've seen a lot of indie MRPGs announced recently. Even there was one this this week as well. We might bring up later. Like a lot of indie games get announced, but we really haven't had a triple. Like, this is probably not triple A because like Perfect World isn't like a giant giant you know company like EA or Activision. But this is a big Western studio making an MRPG on a big franchise. So this is like the first you know big MRPG announcement I think we've had from a Western studio in a long time. So it's positive news I think for the industry as a whole. Actually, okay. Normally, we don't pick our um, Friday Grand Fest games at this point, but mm -hmm. uh, there is one cryptic game I haven't tried yet, and that is Star Trek Online. So I'm gonna nominate that for Grand Fest, right. so I can I'll actually I can good. give it a shot. I I love Star Trek. Uh, mm -hmm. Cryptic Cryptic knows their shit, you know. So I will. Fair. I want to give them a shot. So uh, I have a question for you too. Now that we brought Magic the Gathering too. Okay. Because I read the, there was a very long and heated discussion about loot boxes on okay. RMRPG. And I actually had a pretty lengthy discussion about loot boxes as well on the on the MOS.com Discord chat. And do you people were complaining that obviously the RNG mechanic, it's gambling, you're getting kids addicted to the gambling, it's wrong, it should be illegal, they shouldn't do it. But first of all, do you think loot boxes are gambling? Are they gambling? Okay. If can you only buy them through paying money because some games like a lot of mobile games actually allow you to earn boxes in game but okay, uh, let's say you can let's say you can only buy them f with money th that's gambling it's gambling am so I, is I, uh is a kid buying a pokemon booster pack or a magic the gathering booster pack also gambling yes why is one okay and the other one isn't nobody's giving shit well, I, pack. well first of all i never said one is okay and the other isn't so okay. you kind of you kind of loaded that on me there. <laughs> okay, but, but do you think they're both okay? Or do you yes, think... they're both okay. So the outrage for loot boxes is like some of the comments on RMORPG were like really like eye popping. Like the amount of hatred some people have. For like, oh, look, I get it. Like some games you can pick apart being pay to win with the loot boxes, right? And like some awful mechanics. But the top comment on this loot box thing was a guy saying, um, "Take a look. Maybe you can show it off in the podcast here." Somebody has complained there are no lockboxes in Final Fantasy XIV. Just straight up cosmetic cash shops, right? Just getting a little distracted over here. And some guys say, cosmetic cash shop in a subscription-based game is the most bullshit thing ever. Why should I pay for the subscription? Like, holy crap, dude. They're just, they're just cosmetics. Like, who cares? Like, the level of, like, the level of almost entitlement here just seems, like, absurd. Like, why would you get mad over cosmetics? I think uh, there's a huge... I don't know what it is, like grandfather effect you know like we grew up playing games where you either buy it once and you do whatever you want in the game or you pay a monthly fee and you do whatever you want in the game but there's no reason for that to be what a game is defined as like this generation i think is growing up with mobile games so i mm -hmm. think that the kind of pay to win ethos 
will be ingrained into this new generation. So I think this mm-hmm. these kind of people who whine about this stuff are like one showing their age, and two showing their lack of connection with reality. And you know, it's all entertainment. So saying one is better than the other, one way is better than the other, is just kind of pointless. I I am not with this guy. This guy's at 15 euros enough to buy two to four full games. I guess he's looking humble bundle. Why should I spend them for a game and a subscription when it hides a part of the content behind the paywall? And this guy's like, today I learned some people view cosmetics as core content. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> but more specifically, I had a discussion on um, the MOS.com Discord channel. People, two, two individuals felt that like Overwatch, for example's uh, loot box system was bullshit because like they wanted a certain cosmetic and they couldn't get it. And like they're like, Oh, legendary costs twelve dollars because you get one legendary per thirteen loot boxes in Overwatch on average, and the guy just divide the cost of fifty loot boxes by thirteen, and he comes up like a legendary is worth twelve. It costs twelve dollars. Like that's bullshit. I paid for the game. Why should I pay for these cosmetics? I'm like, dude, you don't have to pay for the cosmetics. Relax. But like, I think Overwatch is actually one of the most generous with loot boxes and cosmetics of like any game I've ever played. Like it actually boggles my mind that Blizzard didn't monetize it more. I think they could have, Blizzard could have had a much better balance of uh, loot box drop rates being lower and people, make people spend more money in the cash shop. But I feel like Blizzard really, for some reason, gave a lot more away than they had to. But it almost feels like the more you give away, the more people want to take more. You know, they want more out of that. So I think I think Blizzard personally made a mistake by making it so generous. And they're just cosmetics. They don't change the game at all. Like when you buy a game like Overwatch, you know, when you buy a game, I understand the frustration when they're when they're going to put a paywall in the game of like maybe like to, to get the next max like to go from level like even expansion packs to degree I, I can understand like with the model we have now with a lot of exp- games where a lot of stuff is free when they're selling content maybe when they're selling classes right it almost feels wrong when neverwinter sells you like an, a premium class right or a premium race i think that they just do races not classes but i understand that frustration right but when they're doing cosmetics even through a loot box mechanic where you can't get the cosmetic you want like how are you lo- like what are they taking away from you you still have the game you have the core content what's the problem i didn't understand okay i'm gonna blow your mind ready blow my mind you guys ready for some altai wisdom i'm ready for some altai wisdom okay if you want to know what people are the most passionate about what they think about the most what they you know when they wake up in the morning when they go to bed at night what is on their mind it's not That's what they, it's not what they say they like it's not how they dress it's what they complain about what people complain about is what is obsessed, what they're obsessing over. So if people are complaining about Overwatch loot boxes, that means they like Overwatch. That means Overwatch is doing it right. Okay. If you're complaining about something, it means that that thing is doing it right. It's doing it the way it should be. It's it's capturing your imagination. It's capturing your attention. Uh, so those people love Overwatch. They're obsessed. They're addicted. And they, it doesn't matter how much Overwatch charges for those loot boxes. They're gonna pay. I guess. I mean, they were talking quite a bit about it. And I think the analogy they made was, um, oh, but, you know, Heroes of the Storm does it so well. Because Heroes of the Storm, for example, gives as much more generous loot boxes. But the obvious argument there is Heroes of the Storm isn't doing as well as Overwatch. So they're doing whatever they can to kind of, you know, give players everything they possibly can to keep players interested in that game. But I don't know. It really, look, I understand the frustration of loot boxes on when there's pay-to-win elements involved. And, like, whatever. It's bullshit. I agree. And, like, but... When cosmetics are involved, that don't change the game. Like, who cares? Like, honestly, people, like, if people are spending money on loot boxes, it's subsidizing your game. You know, if you're playing for free, and I think even quote unquote pay to win games, 
can be fully enjoyed by 99.9% of the community, including myself, without, you know, without really spending money or doing the pay-to-win pay stuff. Very few games, I think, cross the barrier between like pay-to-win that disrupts the game for everybody else. Very few games. And a lot of those are like bullshit browser-based strategy or mobile strategy games. Or like open PvP games, people will one-shot you with pay-to-win gear. But those are really the odd ones out. Those are those are rare. Those aren't the you know the big ones. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't played a game in a while that I felt cheated at. Like BDO, mm -hmm. people who pay for extra stuff, like those those pets that loot for you, you know, they clearly mm -hmm. get they get they get an advantage. But it's not really at my detriment. You know, I could technically sit there and loot everything one by one. I just choose not to sometimes. So it's not like you know, it's not it's not like it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can we can take this a bit to Estelia, which I think we mentioned Ooh. last week. But now we have uh, a bit more information about this one, actually. Uh, there was MRP.com did a pretty nice interview with the with the Korean developer uh, Brunson Studio. There's like there's a CBT trailer you can show off right now in the on that article at the bottom. But uh, the cool thing here is that it actually is coming to North America sometime in in late 2018. It's coming into closed beta, I believe, in in Korea. The closed or open beta? It's coming to beta in Korea next month, but with a with a release in early 2018 in Korea, but then eventually launching here in the West. But what's really interesting about this is really not the game itself, but what I said earlier about a lot of Korean MRPGs reconsidering free to play versus buy to play. In fact, they said they're going to be aiming for um they're, they're going to make the game uh, pay to play in America in order to meet NA gamers' expectations. Wow. So I think that they're. I don't know. If, I don't think this is true. There is a there is a, a vocal minority. I think a very vocal minority that has this very negative view of free to play. And I look. I understand where some of them are coming from, but I think most people don't really, you know, are, don't hate a game for being free to play. You know, some games obviously do some some sketchy things, but even those games do sketchy things. Many of us play those games for a long time and enjoy it without, you know, going crazy. But. We'll see if this succeeds or not. I think I think they will get away with it if it's a decent game, but I, I think it might be one of those games that goes you no know, that launches by to play and goes free to play like a week later, a couple weeks later. Because unless the game is good, it's going to be really hard to maintain a player base as a buy to play MMORPG when you have so many free to play titles. And uh, you said this this was coming out late twenty eighteen. Late twenty eighteen. That's oh, a that's a long way. It's a to long go. road ahead. It's it's quite a long road ahead still. But honestly, though, look at that trailer. I mean, it just kind of looks like another vanilla MMORPG. You know, nothing to really get too excited over. And if this is the game I think it is, it's going to be on Unreal Three, right? I believe so. So it is already it is already dated. I think on just based on the engine choice. Okay, Nexon said uh, sometime in by the end of 2018, and they just said whenever whenever the the, the Korean version has stabilized enough. Sports of the 20 player raids, which is not bad. It's pretty cool. But you know, you know, what I also liked about it. The developer was open to saying, um, "Like we'll have crafting in our game, but crafting is not the main reason to play Estelia." It kind of like it's kind of silly when you hear like MMORPG. Oh, we have the best crafting, we have the best PvP, we have the best world, we have the best this, best that. No, it's like it's okay to say like, "Look, crafting isn't the main focus of our game." So it's it might have something, but like it's not going to. They're openly saying it's not like it's not going to be a good crafting system, which kind of at least I can respect their honesty. You know, to focus on something else, not just that that crafting. Yeah, I agree. Oh, okay, yeah, and it is Unreal Three, guys. So it is. <laughs> uh, it is going to be quite dated in 2018. IMO. And actually, it's not all 
just uh, you know, same old, same old. I actually, I actually did a first video for a game uh, this this last week. That actually looks really cool, and I kind of want to play with uh, my brother. Maybe, maybe something fun. Maybe, maybe we can do a Grand Fest Friday for this too. It's a game called Kingdom Under Fire Two. The only problem with this, it's in Chinese. Uh -oh. but, you know, you and I, we can, we can, we can, we can manage, right? We can spyware manage. time. This one is no Chinese spyware. So if you, it's actually it's Taiwan. It's on the Taiwanese version, not even the Chinese. Oh, okay, version, so right? but, the clean Chinese. The clean China. <laughs> even before somebody gets mad for us saying that. But this is if you skip ahead to like um like you can see the tutorial, it looks it's gonna look pretty badass, but I like skip like two three minutes. Go to three minutes and just just play it from there in this video. Okay. So this is actually it feels like a traditional action MORPG, kinda of like Blade and Soul actually. The combat feels fast paced and fluid. You know, and you have the quest, you have the grinding, but you also have a different element to the game where you have these large scale like Dynasty Warrior style scenarios. And you can actually do raids like in these scenarios like this, you know, with other people on your team, and to win these battles, it's almost like these are like some of the raids in the game, and it looks pretty badass, doesn't it? Like you just, I am, I am shocked by how good this looks. Like this, and it doesn't do it justice. The video doesn't do it justice. The game runs remarkably smooth. When you see like, you'll see even more units on the screen later on, right? Like in a different part of the battle. Yeah, this is a tutorial, but it runs unbelievably smooth. Like I never drop below sixty FPS. And it just felt super nice to cleave these waves of enemies. Wow, how did they uh, do it? I, what is this like on a custom engine? It's a custom engine. Okay, that's why. And they, they say they can, they can support like over ten thousand units on the screen at once. Something crazy. So like they're trying to do something different by introducing this weird like strategy element, this weird dynasty wars element. In fact, you also get the kind of experience where like you could actually get a top-down view, right? So you can you can actually move troops around. So like later on in the video, you'll see me. Like go go out, meet up with another group of soldiers, and my camera pans like to an RTS view. And I can move my troops somewhere else, like on the battlefield, wow. and then I can go back to uh like first person action mode. And, and it's pretty badass. That's one of the huge benefits of kind of doing your own engine because if you use mm -hmm. something like Unreal or Unity, I don't think a I don't think you could even do that whole switching between like RTS mm -hmm. or, and if you even if you could, the number of you know units on the screen right now would just kind of destroy any. Any any computer if it was made on Unreal, mm -hmm. so there are benefits to doing it yourself. You can kind of customize it to your own uh, gameplay style design here. And I was actually, you know, kind of like suspicious. Like, okay, it's got these these battles, right? But like, are we what, are we going to queue for these battles? Are we going to like, is it a lobby based game with you queue for this stuff like these scenarios? But like, it, it's actually an MRPG as well because once you finish the tutorial, you're like in a beginner area, and you have quests that NPCs with exclamation marks over their heads. And you know you see grind spots for monsters spawning. You know, like you get gear over there the same way you would like in any MMORPG. It's that they moved. I think some of the like the dungeons and the like instead of like maybe dungeons or raids, they have these kind of scenarios you can do with other players. And so the PvP can be done this way as well. It's a really unique take on dungeons or like raids and PvP. So what you get in the traditional MMORPG and, and the traditional MMORPG element, right? It's action-based as well, non-targeted action-based, and it works just really well. It feels super nice. There's an active block and an active dodge, and you know, very few games make me appreciate like the the block mechanic the way Blade and Soul did, right? Because when you block an attack in Blade and Soul, it just it just felt like okay, I blocked it because I hit my button at the right time, and it felt it felt really nice. And this game gave me that feeling as well. The only problem, of course, is that it's it's not in English, and there's no English patch for it. This the I believe the Taiwanese open beta. So you will struggle with some of the interface stuff, but I think, you know, it might be fun to do a video for it. You know what? When you first said, you know, recommended this to me, like, last week, I was like, eh, you know, another Chinese game, 
in my mind i was i was running moonlight blade revelation, revelation online but now after seeing this i would definitely be down to try this yeah it'd be cool if we could do one of these scenarios together but like it looks like it looks mega having all those units on the screen didn't lag it which i thought was pretty incredible like, obviously like the that same is incredible. Over over that again, is incredible so. whoever developed this is you know they know their chops they did something right yeah I mean, but this is a game that's been in development for a long time. This is also one of those games that like has been like almost like persistent, de like perpetual development. I think it's been uh, seven or eight years since this was wow. first announced. Something crazy. Well, speaking of so, uh, uh, mm -hmm. speaking of nine year, eight year development games. So I know last week we talked a lot about Bless Online. So I just want to quickly mention that NeoWiz um, or WebZen. Let, Web let me sneak in. Let me let me sneak in one thing. This game okay. is actually aiming for a North American release in uh, early 2018. They're aiming for a Russian release by the end of, by by fall, and after the Russian release, there'll be a North American release. Wow. They have they have a release schedule kind of planned already. So at least for now, there's something on paper saying that it's actually going to happen in, in English sometime in 2018 with a console release on PS4 as well. They're aiming for a console release too. So this is make, this is the first time we're hearing a release schedule for this. What's with these agents and and releasing in Russia before America? What is what's up with that? It's, I think it's their test market. They realize you know maybe it's not as important. And they want to oh, make sure they get it right there. Okay, yeah. That's my guess. It's like budget white people. Let's see how they take it. Yeah, For budget <laughs> white people. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, my point with the bless is just I want to quickly say that uh, they did announce, uh, they did confirm that Aria Games did cancel their publishing agreement. Mm -hmm. So that is, that is, uh... oh yeah. And, yeah, it's for reals it is. And today is actually the day that the Korean servers merged down to one. So I, I know we announced that weeks ago, but today is the day it actually happened. And uh, for the blessing, thing, it's worth mentioning, it's not completely abandoned yet. Uh, they did say, NeoWiz specifically said, we were focused on the, the Japanese closed beta. And the Japanese version of Bless is you know, published by GameOn, which actually is owned by NeoWiz Games. So they're testing it out themselves. I don't think they're ready to abandon it yet. But I was curious about some of the financial details for um, for Bless, for example. And the company that makes uh, Bless, NeoWiz Games, is not a very you know giant company. They spent over $60 million on the game. The entire company of NeoWiz is worth about sixty. Is worth about two hundred fifty million dollars. They spent like a fourth of their entire net worth making this game, and it's so far been a bit of a. I think it's fair to call it a bit of a disaster as is. Yeah, that's a, fair, that's a lot of money for them. It's a fair statement. Yeah. Um, then and I actually, go, you know, if you, go ahead. Uh, uh, if you're still blessed, go on. I was going to move on. A little. Uh, one more thing, I'm blessed. Maybe you want to show off um, some of the some fun financial numbers. For uh, Neil was games here. Link I'll it up. Drop you that link. Click on that. Uh, click on IR presentation. Let's get that investor relations presentation for Neil was games. It's all in English too, so you can see some some data. If you ever uh, wanted to know about, oh, uh oh, I got a, I got a screen capture. It's downloading a PDF here. Oh, you, you, you oh, uh, oh no, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. It works. You're good, you're good. All right. All right, but you you can scroll down and see what they're, they're they still make money overall, but like they do emphasize that Bless is one of their core franchises, and they spent so much money on this game, and it's been like so far, it's been a pretty huge disappointment for them. It seems like P Mang Poker is their uh, bread and butter. Is their bread and butter? <laughs> yeah, it's weird that like this mobile, this like I think this mobile poker game is making so much money for NeoWiz Games. Like if you scroll to like the slide number seven, these are the three key IP address, like the, the key, three key products. They have Social Casino Poker for P Mang Poker. They have Tapson, which I never even heard about, 
and they have MMORPG Blast, which has been in development for eight years. That's pretty nuts. I think that's the first time we've seen that number, right? Uh, we mentioned on our website the closed beta dates and stuff, but 2009, yeah. guys, is when the game entered development. So they've they've been at this for a while, and the game still is not doing that hot. I mean, their 2017 business plan is to launch an online version overseas and develop a console version of Blast. So they're still thinking about the console release, but they really got to fix their shit before that happens. And given how much money they've invested, I don't think it's over yet for Blast. I think uh, Game Ago backed out, but give it another maybe another six months, eight months. I think we're going to hear about a hopefully a definitive you know Western release for Blast by then. And maybe they're going with the whole model of you know it's okay the game failed in uh in Korea if they can pull a Black Desert you know even if it didn't do well in Korea it can still do well in America if it releases with the bug fixes and optimizations. You know, and these um. These these investor presentations I always find pretty interesting because you know if you don't look at these you you miss out a lot of like interesting gaming news you know a lot of people don't realize how you know big of a success of um, uh, Fantasy Star Online is for for Sega. In fact, if you look at Sega's investor presentation, if you didn't look there, you would never know. It's actually like Sega's highest grossing game. Like is it considered one of their most successful games? Fantasy Star Online Two, the one that never came out in America, and the one you know we did a graphics video for it too. Like who would have guessed that was such a big moneymaker for Sega? It's only out in like a handful of places. Never came out in America, but it's you know it's big business. Uh, my favorite part about Fantasy Star Online is apparently in Japan you don't have the same laws about email spam. Uh, in America, if you check your email and you get email newsletters and such, you can scroll to the bottom, and there's almost always a little section that says if you don't like this email, you know, click here to unsubscribe from this from this email. But to this day, I still get Fantasy Star Online email spam, and, and there's no way to unsubscribe from it. <laughs> so that's God bless. I'm very glad I played that grindfest, so now I can perpetually get Fantasy Star Online uh, newsletters. What's crazy? Is why not just why not just release it already? You know, in English, it's so <laughs> crazy they have this game that's basically ready to go, right? But like, it's insane that it's not out yet. In fact, uh, no, they, they could have made the Southeast Asian version uh, you know, in English as well. Just get rid of that IP block. But they never did. And the Southeast Asian version shut down. If the Southeast Asian version just didn't have IP blocks, I think a lot of people would have played Fantasy Star Online 2 on there. And it seems so silly for the IP block to be there when Sega never gave two shits about the Western release anyway. Look, it's a good game. It runs fluidly. It's a fun title. Like, it just, they just don't want to make free money. It's like the easiest thing in the world. Just don't, get, don't put the IP block. You just make free money. Like, more than you would have before. Well, I, I think um, it was Sega that, that forced that IP block onto the Southeast yes, version. Yeah, of course. So I don't. No, I mean, Play Park would never do that. The, the yeah. publisher obviously wants to be able to put the game everywhere they can. Sega is like, nope, you gotta mm -hmm. block America, you gotta block Europe because we don't want free money. Uh, another quick announcement: there was another round. Uh, there was uh, some news about Revelation Online server mergers. I know you talked about that in your uh, weekly. Mm -hmm. Uh, news thing. Recap. Yep. Yep. I, I don't. I don't blame them for this. But people are complaining that oh, look, they're merging servers already. The game is doing badly. But they're merging the server. They're merging. There's gonna be a net loss of one server, and it's because they're launching German and uh, French servers. So they're merging a few servers because they realize that a lot of the current French and German players who are on English servers are probably gonna move on to the new servers. So they're merging some of the old servers. So I think there's a net loss of one server overall. No big deal. 
I don't think it's anything important. All right, here, here's here's the funny thing about Revelation Online. You ready to get bamboozled? You ready to get your mind boggled? I'm ready. In fact, Chad, are you ready for the, the most weirdest thing you're going to hear? Revelation Online is resetting all of their server-first achievements so other players get a chance of being server-first. How what? stupid is that? Even on the... What's the point? Hmm? Really? Uh, What's I'm the pre- point of having a server-first achievement if they're just going to reset it and let other people get it too? Like, is that the whole purpose of a server first to like be the guy that camped on launch day to clear a dungeon for anybody else? Oh, we're gonna go reset that to give other players a chance to do it as well. What the fuck? Why? It's on, the, on certain, and of course it's not fair either because people are already geared up. Now, yeah, so exactly. You need to be server first. Exactly. You can do it day one now. You can. You can. Yeah. It literally defies logic, and their thought process is they want to give other players a chance to get that achievement. But if you want to make an achievement, make an achievement to like clear that dungeon. Don't make it a, the whole purpose of a server first. They're literally destroying the meaning. And they said, listen, they said they're going to be doing it uh, irregular once in a while. So it's not the first time they're going to reset. They're going to, they plan on resetting it every once in a while, like every six months or a year or something. They should rename it something it, else then instead of server first. Just. But this this is beyond just merging servers again because they said they're, they'll be doing this from time to time. It's not a one time event. And their reasoning was they want to give other players a chance to do it. I think they overreacted because they figured if two, if, a, if a server is merged into another one, obviously mm-hmm. one of those servers is going to lose out their server first, right? Mm-hmm. So they said, okay, we got to make it fair and just wipe the whole thing, which was obviously a big mistake. That That's not the way to do that. Just let both of them keep it. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's the case, you know, if that's the case, if the, I mean, I, I don't think it's a limitation like that either. I mean, it's odd. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so cringy. And they said they're going to do it again. You know, they're going to be doing it, you know, more. Let's see what they say on the official site. And it's, and they'll be saying all server first, I believe, on, you know, on everywhere. Not just, you know, the servers that are merging. It just, it'll be a rare event. We, we are looking to make this a recurring yet rare event. That's just so unbelievable. That this thing, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. Revelation, what are you guys thinking? What are you Look, thinking? You guys, I don't know. What are they thinking? Well, on a brighter note, I do want to mention one more big announcement before we wrap up. And that is, guys, Fortnite is actually happening. I almost forgot about this. This game was one of the first previews we put on the site. You know, God knows how many years ago at this point. Okay, apparently the game was announced six years ago in 2011, guys. But finally, there's some movement and the game is making progress and it will be out. Uh, They're already... They're already selling Founders Packs. So they are a lot closer to release. Mm-hmm. It's going to be on consoles and PC. And it looks pretty cool. I got to say, it looks like a nice little co-op game. I actually really liked the video uh, showing up for the game. So I, I wasn't hyped about it, but seeing that video and seeing there's a firm you know, release date, something we can play soon, I'm excited. Yeah, And it's Epic Games. I feel like they kind of know what they're doing too, you know? To me, it's a big, big game studio. To me, it looks a little like, like Conan Exiles, right? With the whole like base building. Uh, survival aspect like you apparently you go out and loot and you go out and explore for uh resources like material then you build a base with your with your allies and you survive you know waves of enemies uh it's instance there's no like open world or anything it's like instance like you know it's like missions you know you jump into a set mission uh you gather weapons and loot and, and material you build a little fortress and you defend uh yeah it looks fun it looks like a nice little fun co-op game we don't have enough of these like co-op experiences imo yeah i agree Looks like a fun co-op title, but we 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 have to go back for a moment, okay? Like a Revelation Online uh, 
maybe like a mini recap. I feel like it had potential. I hate saying that word too. It had potential, but like it was different, right? It it, it was still a traditional MRPG, right? Followed a lot of the same formula, like the formulaic uh, look, but because it was Chinese, because being Chinese made it different. Okay, like I, I don't think it was original. If you play a lot of Chinese MRPGs, you, know, you play a lot of per- games like Perfect World, J Dynasty, and whatnot. But like because we haven't had too many big Chinese releases in forever, Revelation was different and different enough to get people interested. But the more you played, the more it was like, what is this? Like this is this could be so much better. It was. It just felt disjointed. It just felt very weird. I think uh, you looked at a video about cargo cults like a while ago, and I feel like after playing Revelation, like I kind of understand. I, that's what it feels like. I, I don't think it's almost like the developers like they looked at World of Warcraft, they looked at Final Fantasy IV, they looked at all these MMORPGs, and like they put something together they thought was an MMORPG, but like it just felt like all these disconnected parts. And they just put it all together, hoping like it'd be fun. And it was different. You could play it for the. I don't know though. It just. I didn't. I didn't really like it. Uh, no, me neither. I, I think, um, like you said, that was my first thought. It's the second I played it. Mm-hmm. It was very Chinese. Um, Being very Chinese is different though. We haven't had so many very Chinese games. I gave. I gave this a positive, honestly, because we haven't had very many Chinese MMORPGs. Um. I don't know. I don't know. All, all I can say is I, I'm more interested in a lot of the Korean games now than, than Chinese ones. Mm-hmm. Fair. I think uh, I think we'll be seeing more more and more Chinese games coming to the West too. I mean, NetEase and Tencent are such giant companies. They really dwarf like companies like NeoWiz. I said earlier, NeoWiz is worth like $250 million. And with you know a smaller size like that, they can only do so many games, right? You have a game like Netties, the guys that made Revelation, right? I don't think it's their most successful game. It's not even close, right? But Netties is worth forty-one billion dollars. That's worth more than like, uh, like that's way bigger than EA. That's actually about the same size as Activision Blizzard. So Netties is churning out tons of games. We showed off um, that what the other beautiful-looking uh, Chinese and more actually it almost looked like uh, Lineage Eternal slash Lost Ark. What's that one called? Something Water. I forgot the name of it right now, but um. Uh, that game is coming out in China uh, this year. So I think we're going to see a lot more Netties and Tencent-developed games, I think, coming to the West. Moonlight Play, I think, is still going to happen in the West eventually. They, they said their intentions of coming to the West. I think, we're going to be, I think we'll have a big wave of Chinese and more PGs. I, I, got, I actually got one for you. This year, next year. I got one for you, actually. There's a game called Legend of the Ancient Sword Online. That's a mouthful. Uh, what legend? What kind of game is that? It's just an MMORPG. It, it kind of looks like a better version of Jade Dynasty or Moonlight Blade. I'm playing the trailer right now. Uh, the trailer looks amazing. The graphics look amazing. But you know, with the, the you know these trailers can be kind of misleading. But so here's another one of those you know martial arts cell MMORPGs for you. China loves martial arts, guys. And I was thinking Treacherous Waters Online, by the way. Somebody clarify in chat. Aether King Indudu. But other game was Treacherous Waters Online, and we showed a video for that before. I'm looking at this this game you're showing now. Chinese love, they love flying. martial arts. They love flying, flying around. Flying and martial arts, all right? They have appropriate clothing for the winter weather, obviously. When, when will they make an ASR, ASMR uh, MRPG Mecha Ranger? Some nice pregame talk spilling over. 
But we are we are nearing the end here. We can talk more about ASMR in the uh, post game because I am actually. I'm more curious about that adult product you purchased on the Windows Store. I, I really I have no idea what it could be. Okay, all right. So we can talk about both of those guys. If you want to hear about my okay, good. adult entertainment purchases on the Windows official 10 store or ASMR sound porn, do stick around for the post game. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're uh, watching on YouTube, YouTube, yep, YouTube, you gotta go. You're out of here. You're out of here. Take it easy.